Hello, welcome to Matt and Brett Love Comics. Yay. Studio audience, calm down. Calm down, studio audience. Cats, studio audience so many full cats. Of cats. Yeah. Cats. It's easy. <laughs> it's, oh, boy. Uh, this is uh, one of your hosts, just in case this is your first episode and you don't know who I am, this is one of your hosts, Brett. Well, everyone could be someone's first. This is your other host, Matt. Thank oh, yeah. you so much for listening. Matt and Brett Love Comics is the show where we take comics and talk comics with comics. Ooh. And comic-y industry, comic-y industry, uh, We're just off to a smashing start this evening. Um, <laughs> as always, with any uh, comics discussion show, we do want to let you know that there are spoiler warnings. Yeah. Um, though we are discussing a book that is... 29 uh, years old. 29. Really? It is, it is as old as me and our guest. Really? <laughs> oh, man. That makes me... That makes... Mm. I remember when this was coming out. Oh, I guess. You also, you also started reading comics at a younger age. Yeah. You're older and started reading younger. Yeah. That's, let's just keep making me feel old. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> today we are reading um, Thor, The Mighty Thor, issues 344 through 349, aka um, the, introdu- the introduction, my god, of Malachite <laughs> to the Thor mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story that is the loose basis for, uh, for Thor the Dark World. As, yeah, it's like as much of a basis as any story is. Right. Uh, and joining us today to talk about this is a guy who, um, heartily suggested this like a year ago. Yeah. When not when we talked about, when we talked to him. Uh, this is Mr. You'll know him. You know him from I da, 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 da. Da, 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 and Fuzzy da, Typewriter, da, Mr. Da, Fuzzy da, Typewriter da, da, himself, da, da, Paul Montgomery. Da, 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 da. Well met, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Spray bottle, spray bottle. Yeah. Um, great, thanks for, oh, thanks for joining us. It's all over me. It's all over me. <laughs> Paul, thanks for being on the show again, man. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to, to come on, especially to talk about some great comics like this. These are, these are some of my favorite superhero comics. So. Yeah, Thor, Thor is your jam, right? Especially the Walt Simonson run. Yes, uh, I love the Simonson run. Loving uh, what Jason Aaron and Isad Ribic are doing oh, yeah. over on uh, Thor: God of Thunder. Um, I got to do some of the the, the recaps for those uh, for the first few issues, and um, also love the the Somni run with uh, with language. Oh, that's uh, so good, Thor the Mighty uh, Thor the Mighty Avenger. Just um, <laughs> I, I weep for it every day because it, it just. <laughs> Just missed telling its first big story, and um, but anyways, I, I love Thor. So where did you? I'm a Thor guy. Okay, so this is twenty nine. We're both twenty nine. Yeah. Where did you discover this? This Walt Simonson run. Um, when did not you discover so long it? Long ago, account? really. I think there was. I think there was a sale at my comic shop for the trades, and um, I was like, I want to know more about this Beta Ray Bill guy, and uh, <laughs> I've heard a lot about this Walt Simonson guy too, and I got to check this out. And I guess it was before they'd even announced that there was going to be a Thor movie. Um, but, you know, I, I was getting excited about all these Marvel characters, you know, <clears throat> popping up on the screen and everything. And um, I have more of a DC background. Yeah. So I wanted to fill in some of the fill in some of the blanks, um, get rid of that, uh, that, that blind zone and and uh, and check out some Marvel. So. Um, I lean more towards the, the Thor side of things. I, I also, you know, I like the epic fantasy, so I'm, a, I'm like a Conan the Barbarian fan, so uh, I figured this would be a good place to start, and he has stayed one of my favorite Marvel characters. That's a long run, too. Did you read all of it? 
Like at once? Uh, yeah. I have the I was actually I was revisiting it today and I've since picked up the the big omnibus of of Walter Simonson's run. Yeah. And um not the most comfortable thing to read like on your lap or like laying down on the couch. That's not a um, toilet read. That will put your that will put your legs <laughs> to sleep. Yeah, it was uh it was a bit problematic, but uh but I enjoyed it it's and not uh, his whole I was just run, sweating though. by the end of it. But is it, um is it his I need whole one run? of those like, you know, lecterns to, to read this book on. But uh if if you pick up any Marvel omnibus, I, I really recommend uh this one with, with new coloring. Yeah, you need to like display those Christy like a Gutenberg Shield. Bible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Gutenberg Bible version of Thor. Exactly. <laughs> uh, great. Well, this, um, Matt, what is your history with Thor, the God of Thunder? Well, you know, I was actually just telling Brett this earlier, Paul. Uh, I'm a big Thor guy as well. I'm I'm really into him. And I actually read a lot of the DeFalco Friends run. Yeah, I just read um, a story arc of that <clears throat> yeah. last week. Um, and the actual, and I didn't know this at the time, of course. I was a kid. But the first issue of Thor that I ever picked up was the issue immediately after Walt Simonson's run. It's an inventory issue by Stan Lee and Eric Larson. A match um, made in... Oh, wow. Yeah. A match made in somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, yeah, just like super random, right? <laughs> uh, and it was, one of, it was one of those stories where the Hulk was on a rampage and Thor was like super... Ar- it was like a younger Thor that was like arrogant and thought he could stop him. And like the story just kind of ends when... Thor realizes that he's trashed like half a town trying to stop the Hulk and he actually didn't help anything by doing that. And if he would have just let the Hulk jump past this town, uh, their town wouldn't be ruined and it was his fault. Oh, Stan Lee and your irony. Yeah. (laughs) So I was a, I, I was a Thor guy. I was a Thor guy as a kid through the, uh, through the Masterson years too. With uh, Beardy Thor and Thunderstrike, and yeah, I have a, I now have a soft spot for Thunderstrike because the the Friends issues I read was like the return of Thor, yeah, with with Thunderstrike as Thor, and he was like, oh well, I guess, oh no, I get to still be Thor too, yeah. Um, so now I have like a little bit of a soft spot for Thunderstrike. Sure. <laughs> so I wish this was a Thunderstrike story, basically. That's yeah. Most people most people read Walt Simonson's Thor and think if only this was Thunderstrike. Oh geez, Pony, <laughs> ponytail and sleeveless leather jacket. Oh, yeah. That's all I want. So, Paul, what about Thor? The character itself appeals to you. Gosh, um, I just it, it, it's it's not so much the character himself; it's the world he inhabits and the way the world reacts to him. Um, he is, as you said, this arrogant prince of Asgard, and. Um, I just think his 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 worlds, his section of, of of Marvel, which is you know even bigger than any of the other worlds, um, because it is on you know on Yggdrasil, which I don't know sounds like a feminine hygiene product, but it's this um, it's it's you know the world tree. Clean and your world tree. All of these realms, oh, all these branches, and you know you've got the world of of the trolls. You've got this fire world. You've got this. Um, the world of the frost giants, and they all have great names: Alfheim, Nidavellir, Vanaheim. All the all these great names, and um, it's that part of me that always loved pulling out a book at my grandparents' house and opening it up, and there being this big uh, map on the end covers, oh, and yeah. it's that true escapism. And you know, for all of the um, the talk that Marvel is our universe, our world. Um, 
Thor's world is so much larger and and so fantastical. And this is a guy who you know traverses all of these planes on a big giant rainbow, and it's just kind of, <laughs> it's just kind of over the top. And and I love that about it. And the boots with the animal print on them, and yeah. I love Beardy Thor. Um, I don't know what it is. I've just I've kind of always my uncle was one of those guys who he had he had a metal band and probably way after he should have had a metal band. Um, <laughs> and he had a van with with airbrushed like Frazetta style. It wasn't nearly Frazetta quality, but like this this like Nordic looking dude with a big axe on the side of his van. And I just remember that from when I was a little kid and thinking that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. And I want to go there. And, um, but children never go to vans that look like that. If you see them, um, just leave them alone, walk away. Yeah. But, we have a big seven year old listenership. So yeah. Yeah. So guys, we gotta, <laughs> we've, we've talked about vans before on the also, podcast. Also, Let's keep talking about feminine products to our seven. year old. That's yeah. I do. Um, the it's book. called Idrisil. It just it, that, that, that yeah, doesn't yeah. sound like a world tree. That's it sounds like an ointment. Or it sounds like eye, like eye drops, like Idrisil for puffy yeah. eyes. Sure. Yeah, that's well. If your world tree is less than fresh, <laughs> um, I I love that you brought up the boots too. Thor's Zubaz boots. <laughs> that's uh, a great way of putting it. Oh, they're, oh, there. Wait. Do you, oh, so you guys see like tiger stripes? Yeah. Because I always see just, like, yellow straps that are wrapped around black boots. That's what I always think about that. I think it's supposed to be animal print, isn't it? They've sort of gone away from that in recent years in the the modern redesign. Guys, um, they're... With the JMS stuff. It makes uh, more sense for them to be yellow. Come on, guys. Animal print. Well, he's uh, he has know. the fierceness. He has the fierceness of a yellow zebra. I mean, that's... I always thought it was it was a liger print. Yeah, like he needed something really exotic. So oh yeah, yeah, it's a hybrid animal. Yeah, this is uh, this is actually a, a, a swath of the um, the fur of the sphinx. Okay. Upon which the sphinx itself was based. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, exactly. Well, I mean, this is probably one of my early. <sighs> first exposures to Thor? I'm not, I've not read much Thor. Really? The Jason Aaron run is the first... No, I did a little bit of... I was on and off with Straczynski. Didn't right. read much of it. I started with Fractions run, fell off of that uh, really quick, and I've stuck with Aaron's. I like Jason Aaron's run a lot, but I've never... Uh, I, I remember... I remember like try, like reading the only Thor I ever read was when I was in middle school and I was trying to read the Busiek Perez Avengers run. Yeah. And I just remember being a really snotty middle schooler and just hating the way Thor talked. Oh, with the sort of <laughs> with uh, the Shakespearean, Shakespearean uh, dialogue. Because you know, I come from the mutant world where like everyone's just like really real and tortured, <laughs> and just like down to earth and modern and hip. Does a mob baby chili fries? You know. <laughs> So I feel like Jubilee is the polar opposite of Thor. <laughs> I feel like Claremont isn't too far off from no, it's Thor not. speak. It, yeah, it, I mean, how many times? Uh, how many times did an X Man say "No quarter asked, uh, none yeah. given"? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so but coming from like the cartoon and '90s X Men, I I don't know. I just I never I uh, I also don't I don't veer into the fantastical that often. Um, I like me some Lord of the Rings, okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't dally. I don't, I don't hop into that world. So this is a, this is my first, uh, first exposure to the Walt Simonson run. I only know Walt Simonson from his run on X Factor, 
which is also really good. You know what it is? It's it's the it's the gravitas. It's not even just like the, the fantasy yeah. aspect to it. It's this is like the beginning of Superman the motion picture. Yeah. Um, it's and frankly, um, I see a lot of that in Balder. I see I I, I see Brando from you know <laughs> the the last moments of Krypton. Um, yeah. I think he's he clearly looks like he's based upon that that visual. Um, just the the overweight um, and the, the just the, the ashen hair and um, that's that's I read Brando's voice into that character. He's very tragic and and I just I just kind of love the the melodrama of it. Um, there, so there there's a there's a soap opera element to Thor as well that oh, yeah. you find in of course you find in X Men of course you find in Claremont X Men yeah um, that just that heightened sense of drama and. I just I love the I love the gravitas and the and the pageantry of, of Thor uh, and things like it. I've, I've always you know liked that you know Shakespearean language and, and I love when they do Thor speak. I, I I never want them to shy away from it because that's the fun of it. Yeah, um, yeah. And just to just to um, it's so lyrical just to just to go through those words and and um, some of it's a little obtuse. Some some of it is a little bit ridiculous, but um, I embrace that. In it so well, and i think i think simonson is i mean clearly i mean just the it's it's a mixture of of shakespeare and um trippy cosmic stuff oh and yeah like all those big sound effects i mean that's the fun of it too oh, and i'm yeah. sure that's one of the first things you noticed brett reading it was like all the like crack a and, and things like yeah. that yeah well i mean the lettering in this is outstanding john workman uh, john workman yeah. john workman um because it, I don't know what he did before this, but like all of the all of the sound effects don't have that, you know, that comic booky like, uh, what like ad lib or I'm trying to think of like font t- titles. <laughs> they don't have like this all over the map, uh, sizing and kerning and whatnot. Like all of his sound effects are like very blocky, thin, long. Like there's almost like a uniformity and formality to all the crazy sound effects he writes, which I think is really interesting. It makes it look unlike any book I've ever seen before. It makes it feel like runes almost like yeah. it's like they're symbols. They're their own language. Um, the one I noticed just revisiting this, um, there's a, an alarm goes off and there's like a wee, wee, sound and all the O's are linked together, almost like they're chain mail. Yes. And it's just this, and it's just this background thing. And I was like, that's such a cool idea. Um, it just fits into that that world. It's not just any um, cool looking lettering or, or sound effect art. It's it's something that's very much a part of of that world and that atmosphere. You know what I was always fascinated by in these stories here too, because I really love John Workman's lettering, um, and I think like he and Chris Eliopoulos have that sort of uh, that blocky interconnectivity in their lettering that I that I really love but I was surprised at how many sound effects were were almost like they were typed out on on a separate like card and then pasted over yeah. top of the over top of the the art itself which They're like in like little like little like uh white boxes yeah. on top of it Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not like it's not a caption. It's a sound effect, but it has it's. it's I haven't seen that before. And this yeah. is nineteen eighty four, so that was really cool. Uh, but like um, to get into like the story of it, uh, we were talking about Balder. He is the focal point of issue three forty four. 
uh, and I have, what is up with Balder, guys? I don't know. Who, what? Why is he fat? <laughs> I, I'm taking on, like, the Nicole, or, like, the... Because <laughs> this is, like, me stepping into areas I don't know. Who, who why is he fat? Why, when did he die? And why is he not in the movies? So Balder is... Balder's tricky, because... A, so, like, sometimes it's based on the actual continuity of the comics, and, and, it, and it did happen earlier um, that, that Loki killed Balder. And so yeah. he was in it was like hell, s- or at least in the in the halls of the the Nord Queen. Yeah. Um, and but then some of it, it also like like even when we meet Malekith, um, these characters know of Malekith from the lore, even yeah. if it's the fir- even if it's the introduction of the character in the comics. So that can be a little bit confusing. Balder is sort of like. Um, He's like, he's like. He, I, I'm I'm trying to decide if he's the Lancelot or the Galahad. If if <laughs> Thor is King Arthur, well, he's not you know, getting any respect. There's you know, there's okay. clearly the hero is Thor, but Balder is this very tragic character that could be just as great as Thor and is almost quietly as capable and as um, as valiant as Thor is. But for you know, but because this is the, these are the roles for eons that Thor is the Odin son, and so he must be the champion of Asgard. Um, Balder is sort of um, he's cast aside a little bit. Um, in other times in the comics, I mean, he's I mean he's been in charge of Asgard, and uh, while Thor has been off on on Earth in Midgard, and and Odin's been asleep or been dead or whatever. Um, Baldur's kind of like the thankless hero of Asgard. Is he always overweight, or was this no. a plot point? Because I feel like it kind of. I read the. Um, I read it from the start of Simonson's run up through right. the end of this. So I feel like he gained a lot of weight in between issues. It felt like to me, like all of a sudden he was just like. I, I saw Simonson drawing him, and I was like, "Well, that's a weird angle. He looks really fat." And then I was like, "Oh right. no, that's actually a plot point." <laughs> I think it's that he gave up and, you know, there's yeah. this, I mean, 344 is all about him being this pacifist and he's going to go and do this. He's been summoned by Odin and he, of course he has to go. Odin wants him to deliver this message to Loki and he says, listen, I will go and, and do this for you as, as I am bid, but I am not going to pick up a sword. I'm not going to pick up anything to, uh, I've just, I'm defeated and... I'm no longer going to cause any harm to anyone. And yeah. that uh, <laughs> that gets tossed to his side pretty quickly. Um, and he ends up killing like thousands of trolls or whatever. That was a really powerful uh, moment. I, yeah, I, I guess that. when you, you know, when you go off the wagon, like you really yeah. go off the wagon. Like, why just kill a troll? <laughs> and, and that's why, and that I think also goes towards likening him to Brando in his later years. Um, picked up a lot of weight. Oh yeah, but if you remember, you know, Brando in his classic performances, um, extremely powerful, passionate actor, sort of a force of nature. And guy was fit. Got you know, like the guy was uh, had an athletic physique, and he just let that sort of slip away um, for I mean many different reasons. But um, I think being killed by you know loki and, and and you know cast into into hell um being defeated as a champion of asgard 
that you're gonna eat some Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. With with the Norn Queen, Carnilla, exactly. right? Yeah. She did. She didn't sound like that fun of a person to live with. Either. No, not at so, all. So <laughs> she's kind of. So he's probably just gonna stay in his room, and just eat Funyuns, and that's gonna be it. I'm just gonna pet some hounds, some Norse hounds, <laughs> and eat yawn fun if fun yawns. But there's like he's not in the movies, and there's really no there's no place for him in the movies. I feel like because no. because the movies um, are built on this brother relationship between Thor and Loki, and you can't introduce a third sibling into that that we haven't seen already because those movies are so built on those two brothers. Right. That I can't imagine like, Oh yeah, here's our other brother. It would be feel very sure. Like weird. Uh, like on a sitcom where siblings just come and go with no explanation. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, and in the first movie, they barely have any time for the warriors three. Yeah. So even in the warriors three scenes, um, it's mostly about Thor and Loki again. Like when, when they go, um, and are fighting the you know the frost giants. Um, that's it's a it's a showcase for those other characters and Sif as well. But um, just I, I yeah I, I think it's really they were just trying to focus um, in in the Marvel Cinematic Universe on that relationship because Balder is pretty much it's not it's definitely not the same relationship because there's not as much antagonism, but. Um, all the reason to um, exclude it because there's not as much drama there. Yeah. There's not as much spite. It's just, it's, it's a more subtle relationship. Um, so maybe down the line, but I, uh, I think they're, they pretty much just decided to, to cast Balder aside. Uh, I yeah. will say, um, well, just to talk about the, the part of this, the part of this entire arc that I really liked was the Thor in Brooklyn stuff. <laughs> figured yeah yeah matt uh someone who lives in brooklyn yeah how did you how did you take to uh like the geography or, or well it's Thor's, interesting Thor's brooklyn 80s brooklyn life yeah i mean he's kind of hanging out in the he's in the bronx for a while he works in the bronx that was the previous arc yeah yeah and he's also living in bay ridge which that's is far out. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> that's a long commute. That's a hell of a Nick commute. Nick Fury really screwed him over. He's like, we're going to give you a job in the Bronx. And yeah. Like an apartment in Bay Ridge. Now, here's the thing, too. Jeez. Like, he used to... Think about it this way. He used to be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> he used to be a doctor. Yeah. He'd come to Earth. He'd have his own private practice. He'd help people. He'd probably walk around Manhattan. Sure, he had a limp. He had a cane. Yeah. But he was a doctor. Now he's a construction worker that lives in Bay Ridge and has to commute to the Bronx. And has to wear glasses. Yeah, oh, yeah, and some, also he has prescription uh he has prescription glasses. Some like horrible eighties <laughs> aviator glasses. He yeah. has his, yeah, there's great murder hero guest star glasses. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Giants. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I do I love but, the, but that's that's the other weird thing to talk about with this is I mean, right now, I mean in, in Jason Aaron's run, Donald Blake isn't a factor. It's all it's all Thor all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't miss Donald Blake at all, and also in the movies, Donald Blake is is the, the ex the ex boyfriend. It's um, super who left confusing. His, you know, his shirt there, and yeah. he was a doctor, I guess, and and that's who Natalie Portman's character used to date, and um, that that's they explained it away. In this, um, Donald Blake is we see him in the beginning of the run. Yeah, um, but then this is really just about Thor going, going Clark Kent, and we do see 
um, Sigurd, that great moment. I, I you put it on your Instagram, Brett. Yeah, it's from um, before this. The moment where uh, where Thor as Sigmund Jarlson, yeah, yeah, which is the best secret identity ever, <laughs> so funny. Uh, bumps into someone who is clearly Clark Kent, um, and they you know bumbles the glasses and everything. But um, great, great moment in comics. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Um, yeah, Sigmund Jarlson, a, uh, a construction worker who can lift many, many planks of wood. And that's that. That's also one of my favorite. That was his uh, resume. <laughs> uh, that was his resume. That's what he said when he came in on the first day. My name is Sigmund Jarlson, and I can lift many planks of wood. Yeah, it's okay. There's, a shot, there's a shot where, like, another guy is dragging, like, you know, a two-by-four, and then he's got, like, all of these <laughs> bundled up under his arm. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I love the runner of um, his his boss Jerry, I think, uh, yes. who who assumes that he must be uh, Spider Man yeah. in yes. real life, and he's, it's just kind of cool that Spider Man is working for him. And oh no, wait, he's working for Shield. It wouldn't be Spider Man. It's probably it's probably Captain America. Uh, Captain America is working for me. Um, and there's the and uh, there's a lot of conversation about like <laughs> being able to see through secret identities. Yeah. There's that moment with uh with with uh, is it Roger Willis? Um Roger the, Willis is the older the, one who's actually the son, so yes. Right, yes. Eric the former is the younger Marine the um yeah. Korean War vet who um who, who says, wait a minute, this 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 girl Melody sees through him and but he's got a secret identity. You're not that's you're not supposed to be able to see through that. He's wearing glasses. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty Like funny. that's that's just those are the rules. <laughs> That yep. was, I mean, to get to them, issue 345, you guys gotta explain this to me. Okay. The 345, we meet Dr. Eric Willis, uh, and then, and I, and I don't, I didn't understand. So as we're, as we're going through the story, we're slowly being, I, I will say I was surprised at how, um, less, compre- there's so much happening in here, but oh, the yeah, story... Yeah, yeah. The story moves slower than I expected, and I don't mean that yeah. in a bad way. But we are—it's slowly... it's on so many. There's so many, like you know, cut to yeah, um, yeah. the desert wastes, and then and then, okay, and then we're gonna leave. We're gonna go back to Thor now, and oh, we're gonna go to Loki now, and, and yeah. oh, we're gonna go to the one page of a guy ham making a sword, which is like twelve issues in the making of just doom. Oh, Suter, yeah, yeah, I love, yeah. I love that stuff. That's yeah. that is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm 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 excited to talk about that, but let, let but yeah, we should talk about uh, the Willis family. The Mick, yeah. the Mick Burger, this whole scene with uh, there was all this enchanted food. I don't know, it was a lot of stuff all at once. It was enchanted food, and then a letter gets delivered to an old man, and it's addressed to his dad. Or it, I, yeah, it, it all right. confused. Why the one question that I want to ask is why does the son? Why does Roger, the son of Eric? have to be old, and why is Eric young? Well, Eric is young because of he the, is the owner of the castle. Yeah, but it just seemed like that was... I read it, I kind of read it as Walt Simonson being like, oh, oh shit, I accidentally called Roger his his son. Okay, uh, later on. Oh, like a they, Peter Palmer. No, yeah. I think, no, I think it's intentional. It's it's The idea is that his, so this, yeah. this guy was... He has the the cask of, of winters, and um, that gives him immortality. But also, if he touches people, they turn to dust. Oh, that's why she I can't explain. To du- well, no, yeah, I can't explain the McBurger thing to you, or the, or the fries. 
Like I don't I don't know what he's doing there. I I really don't know. There was some, um, there's the enchanted but, cookies that make all of the cops uh, disciples of Malekith. Yeah. Right. You're like that's a thing. They're so, fairy cookies. It makes that they're so they're they're fairy cops. Is basically yeah. the premise. Yeah. Um, and they that's going to so, be on ABC Family this fall. <laughs> fairy fairy cops. <laughs> so fairy they're cops. they're zombies basically. And Thor's like, okay, I'm going to knock you unconscious with lightning, and then I'm going to come back later yes. after I deal with this end of the world stuff. And I promise I will figure this out with the fairy cookies. There's some weird stuff going, especially in that issue. Um, I do want to say, though, that the page, um, the second page of issue 345, with the girl tied up in the McBurger page, gorgeous. Walt Simons is a genius. I don't know what's happening, but on those first two pages of that issue, when Eric, like, grabs her from behind, like, it's so dynamic. Oh, yeah. So great. It's so great looking. It's just weird that it's, like, weird burger torture porn, but, but it is yeah. a pretty page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's McPorn. Yeah, I, it is. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it is strange. Um, and, and at this point in the story, what was interesting to me, it sort of touched on this earlier, we're, we're sort of drip-fed information throughout the story. And Simonson, like, I, I think Simonson's a master storyteller. And he just, he and I guess Mark Grunwald, too, for allowing this to go through, just had a lot of confidence in their readership to say, like, you know, this will all make sense eventually. Especially when you remember this was coming out a month at a time. This isn't all new Marvel now, where it's every every other week is an issue of Walt Simonson's Thor. It's like fans at the time had to be satisfied for waiting a year or more to find out what the fuck Searcher was doing. Yeah. Which is great. Like, I don't think that's bad at all. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Vic Chalker running gag in X, in X Factor. Sure. So, uh, so I, I totally respect that. It's just, it's just, it, it's interesting to look at it in that, uh, that way. It's like, yeah, fans had to wait... 12, 12 months to get this whole story, which is interesting. Well, I think, though, too, especially at that time with Thor, because they gave Simonson the book when it was almost canceled and basically said, do whatever you want because nothing's working on this book, that that they're getting this much care put into it. Yeah. At this, this point, I will had say, there been yeah. a huge change. This definitely feels like a do-whatever-you-want book. Yeah. This 100% feels like, like the 1980s Hawkeye, in a way, or something. Because there's such almost unfiltered... Walt Simonson in it. Yeah. Because it's so, so dense with crazy ideas. I mean, Paul, how much Norse mythology did Walt Simonson crank back into this book? Like, so much of this seems... I, honestly, I, I, I don't know what... I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the material coming into this, just... Um, but, I mean, if you want to talk about it in terms of doing whatever you want, I mean... He opens up introducing Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like what the hell? What the hell hammer is that? horse, crazy George O'Keefe painting. You know, part. You know that yeah. part Thor. Like, what is this? Yeah. Um, what is that name? Um, and you introduce that, and then it's interesting because this, you know, this this run of issues ultimately leads up to Ragnarok and Roll, which one of the best. Oh yeah. Comic storyline names I can think of, um, and issue three fifty is the return of Beta Ray Bill. And yeah. so that's the exciting moment. Other than just it being the end of the world, they build up for like two pages, <laughs> Odin summoning Beta Ray Bill back at the end of 349 so he can be there for 350. Yeah. And that's what's exciting about it. It's not, you know, here comes the Silver Surfer or, you know, the Fantastic Four are now in it, even though they pop up later on in little tiny cameos. Um but 
it's it's all about this the stuff that he is the, the pipe that he has laid early on in this in this run. Yeah. Um, and it becomes really really special. We see Malakath later on in this really huge uh, story, you know, uh, ongoing story. But um, for right now, it's the summer of 1984. Um, I was in the process of being born. Yeah, <laughs> um, we were both. We were so both I, was, I was born in August of 1984, <laughs> so 346 came out that month. Um, so we were halfway through this run. And this is like their, this is their summer leading up into, I guess, like the fall and winter doing the Surter story. And, um, Which makes sense because he's like a fire demon, so you yeah. want to keep warm with your Surtur story <laughs> by the hearth with with Surtur. <laughs> and you mentioned seeing, seeing this guy forging this sword over a long period of time, and like it's usually like the penultimate page or the last page of each issue yeah. in this arc. And I I love that about it. I love that sense of uh, of impending doom. Exactly. Of, it's so of dread coming. Doom. And um, yeah, so great. talked about on, on the iFanboy podcast recently about Pretty Deadly, number one. And one of the things I really loved about that issue was about death is coming, death is on the wind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it then it goes back to like the never-ending story with like the nothing is coming or like Lord of the Rings with, you know, Sauron is, is returning and um, there are all these reports of strange creatures appearing in the borderlands and yeah. stuff. And, or um, Omar coming. I love the that. Wire. <laughs> of, of impending doom and and yeah. uh, and, and encroaching evil. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, if we want to talk about some encroaching evil, then guys, what is up with Lorelai? <laughs> How do you like that transition? <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> we get a little bit more of her action in 345 and 346. Uh, she is the Enchantress's younger sister. Right. Why? Where is the Enchantress this time? Why are we not getting Amora? Are we getting Lorelai? Do we know? Enchantress is still in Asgard. She pops up later. Okay. So she, they're just, wrong, so but it's just her sister going into business for herself. And her sister just wants some Thor. She wants Thor loving. She wants to have control of Thor. She wants Thor on the floor. She wants Thor on the floor. <laughs> and she's going to get um, Thor on the floor by making him drink some golden mead. And it kind of has a like a... Uh, I, <laughs> I think that means something different. Yeah, it's R. R- Kelly. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> That was really bad. Uh, um, but it's kind of like a Looney Tunes cartoon in a way of just like this constant, like, "Come on, drink this mead." Oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm gonna. Like, <laughs> he, he it's totally asleep. a Looney Tunes cartoon. I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a point where, like, you think that she got him, and it turns out she's an enchanted piece of wood. Like, yes. yes. What? Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the it's like the cartoons where you know where it's Bugs Bunny dressed up as a girl. Um, as yeah. a girl bunny, and just these weird fake outs and stuff, and was like, really, she's an enchanted piece of wood, and then you actually see a piece now, of yeah. wood that's like in the shape of a, of a woman, basically. <laughs> I love, I love too that the wood is saying forever, 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 yeah. forever, and you see forever like five um, times. I mean, this is the thing that I like. I like the wood gag because it's Malekith comes like Malekith is trying to get Thor. Or he knows that the casket of Ancient Winters is with Thor, and he's like, I need to get Thor. Ah, this woman's trying to get Thor, so I mm-hmm. will help her ensorcel him, So, and then I'll take her back so that he, so Malekith then knows that Thor will do anything to get her back because right. he's been ensorcelled. It's, it's actually a really uh, layered, and I was kind of surprised to see all those plot lines dovetail together like that. All with a talking piece of wood. It's, very, yeah. it's like, in, going back to the Shakespeare, it's like, it's like this comedy of errors kind of thing. Yeah. 
um, just like old school, like kind of, it's like a Frasier episode. um, It's, it's, it's that kind of misunderstanding and, um, and she, she likes him and he kind of likes her, but like, she knows more about him than he knows about her. And um, like, you know, she knows that he's more than Sigmund Jarlson. It's just an excuse to say that name again. I love yeah. that. Um, and and in all the the canoodling, it's uh, it's 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 wonderful. What? It's 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 maybe yeah. a little bit offensive because like like I mean like a lot of the women in in the Thor comics are you know like the enchantress and yeah. and her little sister who is also a power dater. Um, <laughs> power power dater. dater. Nice. What a great term. Well, and even I mean, I reading the arc before this, like Sif is in it, and Sif kicks. A lot of ass. Uh, she does. Like, it's all about, she, this. This run is all about Sif and Beta Ray Bill, and yeah, Sif and, and Beta Ray Bill together. And it's weird it's because really cool. Sif, in that in the run before this, Sif like kind of just falls for Beta Ray Bill strictly because he's as powerful as Thor. She's like she falls for him. She falls for Hammer Horse. Yeah, because he's a horse with a hammer. <laughs> well, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so I was kind of like, He's oh, awesome. yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, but also because it's weird because the arc that I read um, of the Friends DeFalco era with Eric Masterson and Thor coming back from the, them resurrecting the original Thor also has Sif being having all these complicated feelings for Eric Masterson yeah. again because he is, looks like Thor or because he's Thor-ish. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, God. it's also it's also I think part of it is, or at least the intention I think is that you know she's. Obviously, probably meant to be with Thor, but then Thor's running around with all these other chicks. Yeah, yeah. And so she can explore too. And, she can explore uh, other there's, guys there's who are something. Thorish. And Beta Ray Bill is cool in his own right. He's not just an also ran. Yeah. yeah, you know, he's 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 a he's the this noble hero of of this race that I and I I believe I'm getting this right. That's that his race was destroyed. From Surtur breaking through into Midgard. Yes. Just in the outer space part. Yeah. And so that was sort of, they were like the first to, it was like the first encounter um, when he broke out of uh, uh, Muspelheim. Um, (laughs) And all these words. Um, And so he's, and you know, he's this kind of disfigured, ugly looking guy, but then he gets the, you know, the powers and he, he gets his own hammer it's Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's awesome. He, he, um, he's cool, I guess. No, and so I, be... but I, I love those, I love those, those characters uh, together. And, um, they were just in a journey into mystery together. Oh, um, see, I need to just finish wonderful. reading that run, especially now that he's, yeah. now, now that I know there's a history with them. Cause I love the mm-hmm. first couple arcs of that. Uh, 345 also has a special cameo by a subway station that Matt and I use. A lot. Yeah, pretty they, almost every Walt day. Walt Simonson lived in New York. Yeah. Right? Because there's a lot of actual almost almost correct things. Uh like I was saying, um, the twenty third street E station, which at th- which on this is a double A and E. Yeah. Um which I think was the case in the eighties. Yeah. So that's the station you would use to get go to the U C B theater. Yep. Right, Citizens Brigade Theater in cool. in Chelsea. That is that station. Uh that's cool. Except <laughs> Panel one, he's in Chelsea, and then panel three, and Roger and Roger Willis walks on through the empty streets of the Lower West Side. Yeah, was I've, Chelsea considered the Lower West Side? Back I've then? never heard Lower West Side before. <laughs> That's a ever. very, very upper Lower West Side. Yeah, so that was weird. <laughs> 
Um, but also in that issue, it also has the Queensboro Bridge in it, which is the bridge that you would take to get to my apartment. That's true. And I know that traffic well, so I was very, I related to Roger in this instance. I was like, and where yeah. is the, where is the cask of winters duct taped? It's duct taped. I don't know if, man, it never exists. It's duct taped under the, they say it is in Manhattan beneath an abandoned section of the West Side Highway and it's elevated. I don't think that exists. The, well, the West Side, if it's if it's elevated, it would be up in the hundreds, because like the West Side Highway, the West Side Highway runs parallel with, um, with the coast with Manhattan yeah. and along the coast until you get up there, and then there are like some overpass areas. So yeah, it's an was well, an abandoned section of the West Side Highway. I mean, like this, if you would just change it to High Line, yeah, because that would make sense. Like the yeah, High yeah. Line is. Right next to the station. And also that was station. completely abandoned at that time, too. Oh, was the Highline... Was that was the Highline structure always around and they just renovated it? Yeah. Because I never walked around in that area before they turned it into the Highline. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so maybe... Oh, so he's at the Highline. They're just for some reason calling it the uh, West Side Highway. Which, which it would make sense. Which, okay. We fixed it! Yes. Send us our no prize. <laughs> That's uh, another great scene. Just taking something as, as, uh, as grave as the Cask of Ancient Winter. Yes! And duct taping it in a canvas bag which then gets transported into a macy's bag yeah yeah because camouflage because no one would suspect a man with a macy's bag in new york yeah like i'm i'm sorry i wouldn't suspect a guy with a canvas bag either oh no yeah because i'd be too busy worrying about my own shit also in new york York i wouldn't i would not look Look twice at a person just carrying the fucking cask of ancient winters. Cask of ancient winters just by yeah. itself, just walking through. A guy got on my subway pushing a weird cart that was like a wooden box and then did magic tricks out of it on the subway, and I didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I watch. Oh, what's, I watch what, what, what's that Tumblr? Like Halloween or Brooklyn? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I walked I walked past a man that was walking around with a cat perched on his head. <laughs> the cat looked terrified. Yeah. But that that's just like that's New York. Like the cask of ancient winters would you I'd probably walk by that guy and be like, "Oh man, he's got good style. That's an yeah, awesome that's like an that's awesome an awesome bag. Kindle cover." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but so yeah. that, that that's also a scene which is a a great showcase for this this Roger Willis guy who's again, you know, talk about doing anything you want. Yeah. Like I think, uh, you know, I think if Marvel had its druthers, you know, he it would be Thor teamed up with Wolverine or Spider-Man or someone <laughs> like that. But um, but here, he's Thor is teamed up with a Korean war vet um, who ends up blind and um, just has has a gun and is just shooting iron bullets at, at um, the hounds of the wild hunt. Um, and that's sort of a, like a gruesome image, too, is that Thor takes out all of these hellhounds, basically. And then they're like, so what's going to happen with these dogs? And, and they're like, oh, they'll, they'll melt when the sun comes out. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> is this pile that they look like part rat, part greyhound. Yeah. Yeah, they are like disturbing. Or something, and they're just going to melt there <laughs> under the bridge. Um, but again, it's New York, so. Yeah. So we don't care. Just as long as we can drive over them and just get, <laughs> we got to get to Long Island City. Yeah, if anything. Everyone needs to get to Long Island City. People may be more excited about it because it'll fill in the potholes. Yeah. Uh, but the then potholes uh, fill in the potholes. That's where Thor rescues Roger Willis. Yeah, and then right. goes back to Lorelai's pad and then drinks the mead. 
I love, by the way, too, that this is the story of Thor and Roger Willis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that baseball, that great baseball cap. Yes. And his Macy's bag. Oh, there's man. like there's shots where you, and it's it's Roger Willis in the background, and he's got the Macy's bag, and there's this this gold glow coming out of the bag, and I just I, I love that <laughs> juxtaposition of Thor, God of Thunder, and Roger Willis, Korean war vet with a dad who's younger than he is. Yeah. Um, well, one could <laughs> the say Macy's that bag full of of winter. Every one winter could say that there ever was. He is the prototype of Darcy Lewis. He's the prototypical Darcy Lewis, Cat Dennings, from All right. the movie. I don't know. That's I'll the, take it. The in-over-their-head normal person just commenting on things, having a good time. Exactly. No, yeah. Well, it's Meow Meow. Yeah, Meow Meow. I love. <laughs> I like her. I don't care. She's great. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think. What happens next? We... So we, so we go, so to, we England, go to... Right. Okay, they're in yeah. England there. Okay. They're, well, they're in England, but then they're going through sort of a portal to the realm of fairy. Um, and I don't know if that, I think that has another Norse name other than fairy, but anyways, they're just calling it fairy here. And that's yeah. where the cookies are from. And um, Thor puts magic eye drops in Roger Willis's eyes so that Idrisil. he can see fairy stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah. So it's Idrisil sort of like, eyes, it's like yeah. muggles and the Hogwarts, like you can... Like, if you know it's there, you know, you can see it. But if not, then you just walk right past it. Is this the that issue kind of magic? where yeah. we also meet um, Algrim, or Curse, at some point uh, during these six issues? But he's only in it for, like, a panel. Yeah, he's, and he's feeling very good about himself. And then Thor's like, oh, yeah, you'd be good against, like, a troll, but, like, I'm Thor, so step on. <laughs> Yeah, but like, what is what is Algrim's deal? Because he is a big, he seems to have a big role in the movie. Does he have a bigger role in the comics eventually, or or did he already? See him again? Uh... You see, and that's the thing about Simonson's run is he introduces so many great big concepts mm. like this that are so good that you like you would think that you you would wrap an entire storyline around a character like that. But he has so many good ideas that. This is a passing character. Yeah, in a Do larger we not story. See him ever? Is it... Guys, I want to know more about Algrim. <laughs> we see we see him as uh, as Curse. Yeah, and he's in Secret Wars. Okay, so too. he does come back. Yes. So that's fine. <clears throat> I don't know if this is going to be like an Azazel and he is thing. totally a McFarlane looking. <laughs> oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, like, wave five of the action figures. I don't know, but, yeah, <laughs> really weird-looking Well, Malekith, thing, but... Malekith is, like, a weird, like, David Lee Roth-looking elf dude. Yes. <laughs> like, he's got some, like, really good feathered blonde hair. Yeah. Uh, his ha- face is half-painted black. He's, he's got the, 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 the uh, Frank Gorshin from Star Trek, from the uh, original series, he's that alien that's their yes. black on one side oh, and white on yeah, the other yeah, side. Yeah. Great and they, but they call. don't like the people that are white on one side and black on the other Wait, side. Wait, that was yeah. Frank Gorshin, the Riddler? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that guy. <laughs> I like the Riddler. <laughs> yes, I'm a John Aston guy, though. In so general, doing, So it's, it's a little bit that. It's a little bit, you know, like like uh, like Bowie from, from Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah, he's yep. got... And he can, I don't know, he can he can stretch out. 
and fly around. That's when he's all weird. Yeah, that's that's when he's traveling through shadows. Is it or is he just do that? Well, I think that that is that's sort of them showing him like riding darkness. Okay, <laughs> much like a metal character. Yeah, yeah. Ride the darkness. Ride the darkness. Malachir. Ride the darkness. Oh yeah. 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 It's maybe not. Maybe not visualized. It's 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 like a visual metaphor. The way they're showing it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how you would depict someone slinking into a shadow and then moving through a shadow because it's all black. So yeah. Um, this is a more dynamic way of of doing that. And so he's just kind of like a crazy, uh, like hair metal witch sort of. <laughs> yes. Malekith, hair metal witch. Oh, he doesn't. And it's, and it's. I mean, this is this is a very rock and roll kind of kind of book, and that that goes to you know calling it Ragnarok and roll for that next arc, and and seeing Surtur like if you know, I would want like I would love like a Surtur page, like just mm. like him at the forge or whatever, like you know building swords out of stars and shit, and yeah, um, <laughs> all the stuff in Simon's. And then I mean, we see it earlier in that the previous, well, I don't know, it's previous, but the opening arc where Odin is making Stormbreaker for yeah. Uh, for Beta Ray Bill and like going into the into the center of a of a dying star and and forging a, a, a warhammer that's just that's just that's just awesome that's just metal that's I I like I hear guitar solos as you were saying yeah <laughs> going into the center of a star and forging a warhammer I mean, it's it's true though like that there there are so many like great epic ideas like that in this run and I know I keep saying it that way but like you know the we go back to the softest guy in the story. Uh, you know, Balder winds up murdering over a thousand trolls. Yeah, and then spends the next five issues fighting a, a like a, a dune, like a worm from Dune, like the yeah. the, the worm from <laughs> exactly. the worm from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to admit, all the Balder stuff I thought about just like skipping over. Okay, because it didn't seem like it was... it was like the pirate parts of Watchmen. It's yeah, I I, I like it because it's I like it because it's so overwrought. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, and because we do keep going in and out of that stuff, I kind of just I kind of embrace that stuff. That it's it's I don't know very Robert E. Howard and yeah. um, it's this you know this okay so the so the sandworm thing. He goes into the desert to die, basically. Yeah. Like, he just wants to yeah. die. <laughs> it's yeah. like that, um, I keep thinking of the, um, the the Onion put out an article about how Harrison Ford told his agents that he just he just wants to die. Like, don't bring him any, any more projects. He just wants to go to sleep and never wake up. He's just so miserable. <laughs> and so uh. just he just wants to go out, wander into the wastes, and find death. And he's calling out for death. And then behind him... As if that's not bad enough, there's a there's a dude following him, who says I'm I'm gonna get you, and then he he watches him take <laughs> out the sandworm, and he's like, you know what, this guy's kind of rad. I don't want to kill him. I wanna I wanna be this guy. Yeah, and, and I want to follow him around and learn everything from him. <laughs> this this guy, this guy that wanted to kill him for the previous arc, had Volstag sit on him and tell him the story of Balder for like three issues. Yeah, that's amazing. Because that was like, yeah. <laughs> Pretty great, you know. But I mean, like, how, like just how great is it? This like he's a bandit who wants to kill him, and he thinks he's so cool fighting this monster that he's like, you know what? I'm not gonna kill him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be his apprentice. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not gonna. I, I couldn't, I couldn't kill someone as awesome as you. <laughs> uh, 
You know, it's let's for a minute let's discuss this because we haven't really talked about it. But Simonson's art, I'm a huge Simonson guy, and this is him in his prime. He puts so much dynamicism and and so much action on a page. Um, it's it's unbelievable. There's so much movement in everything he draws, which is really uh, yeah, you know. Makes sense for Thor, a guy who has to throw a hammer and ride it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it's and so. True. How does so? How does he do that? Then I mean, and it's, and if you look at a static like uh, a, like a like a pinup of Thor of a Simonson Thor, it's a very blocky. Yes. Character like really sharp edges, sharp kneecaps. Like you get a paper cut on those kneecaps. Oh yeah. But when you get into the actual you know dynamism of the of the comic of the storytelling. Um, I mean, there's you know, these great action lines. A lot of storytelling is told through the hair and mm-hmm. how the hair moves. And um, just like, it's it's like a shampoo commercial almost. It's um, Just how voluminous this hair is and now mm-hmm. golden. And, um, and, and just and a lot of diagonal movement um, and, and, and counter movement. So like, you know, in, in one panel it's moving this way and then in the next panel it's it's moving another way and you kind of have to follow it. So your eyes are darting around and it does help create this illusion of, of, of movement on a, on a static page. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, because he uses a lot of panels on his pages oh, too, yeah. um, which, you know, can be dangerous, uh, in terms of like, you know, not having any negative space or allowing the eye to rest or not know where exactly to follow the action to. But I, I think you're right, especially with his use of like diagonals within the rectangular structure of the, um, of the panels themselves. It really lends itself to, you know, uh, the illusion of kineticism. And also I think him being both the writer and artist helps because as the artist, He's also the writer, so he knows, like, yeah, I, I can put 20 panels on this page. I know what I can do. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I can only get mad at myself. <laughs> yeah. Do I have to... And he's also, he's also really great at impact. So not just the movement, but, like, how, how momentum is stopped, whether you're being, you know, body slammed uh, by the, the Dark Elf who will become Curse, or um, whether it's Thor's hammer... Uh, whether whether it's you know a bit of lightning, and then plus you have those um, those sound effects, which aren't just like cool and don't just I don't know add to the aesthetic of the page, but th- there's also a compositional element to it. Yeah, a lot of them like um, go with the flow of the. They're action. functional. Yeah, yeah, they help like guide your eye, which is the case of a lo- the lettering in a lot of time because there are so many panels that at times it's confusing like which panel you need to read next. But Workman always has the balloon overlapping into the next panel that you need to read. Yes. Which is also a really interesting trick because, you know, Simonson was the writer and artist, but he wasn't the letterer. So I'm wondering how closely he worked with Workman in order to just, like, make sense of all of that. It's really, you know, interesting. I think it's interesting. No, I do too because <laughs> a lot of times, a, a lot of times you... You rely solely on the artist to create a sort of um, some type of follow from one panel to the next. Like composing one panel, you want 
you want the the reader's eye to kind of float downwards in a way that you're training it to go. But Workman kind of takes that work, pun intended, away from Simonson by allowing the transition to happen in the speech bubble itself. Simonson, Workman, Man and Son. Uh huh. I like where you're I going. I don't here, know Brett. where I'm going. With oh, it. okay. All right. But there's a conspiracy here that I want to expose. Okay. <laughs> looking, at, looking at this page um, where Thor is creating this whirlpool with his hammer. And I don't know. If I, if I was an artist starting out and I saw that in a script, I'd be like, oh, man, shit. I was like, how do you do yeah, that? Like, yeah. what does that look like in a panel? Not just yeah. in a sequence of panels, but like getting that going. And I, I mean, I don't know what that would look like in real life, but that panel... I totally get what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, and I think, if I remember correctly, like, this was, a lot of these ideas and stuff, Simonson had these in college for Thor, and it was, I think he was a big mythology guy, and he was like, if I ever got a chance to write Thor, here's what I'd do, and then they gave him the chance to write Thor, and he's just, like, completely unleashed here. In the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah, and the cool thing is that even with a background in mythology, he knows to mix it up because Thor isn't just... Writing Thor isn't just writing... It's not the same as writing an issue of Conan the Barbarian. It's not that... You know, it's it's not any of those other characters. It's not even writing about the mythical Thor. Um, Marvel's Thor is a very interesting character because there are those epic fantasy elements to it. Um, but then there's also like crazy cosmic stuff, and he knew that right off the bat, introducing Beta Ray Bill, yeah, um, who is a combination of the two. I mean, he's like Thor, but he's also a space alien, and he's also a horse dude. <laughs> and, like, like <laughs> yep. it's it's all those things plus the high romance. Um, you've got this sort of like sort of cheesy story about you know a love spell, and but that that carries through and it's not, and none of the issues are just about any one of those things. Um, he's playing the long game here and bringing in all these characters and just like a, you know, really great soap opera writing. He's, you know, meshing them all together. And, um, you know, some issues, it's a little bit more about the, the melody slash Lorelei story. And some of it's a little bit more about Malekith and, um, it's balanced really nicely. And, uh, I, I, just thinking about it, I love that scene where Odin discovers through his magic mirror that Thor is maybe dating this girl oh. from Midgard. But then Odin's, you know, no fool. He sees right through it. He's like, oh, that's Lorelai from up here. Yeah. What's she doing down there? Oh, that's weird. But you know what? I'm going to let that go. He's got to make his own Be- mistakes. Because <laughs> yeah. sons need to have some, some secrets from their fathers. And yeah. as long as she's not a Midgard girl, I'm kind of cool with that. Except she's um, even even brain, if she's evil, she's brainwashed him. She's brainwashed him. Uh, yeah, the last the four forty nine is all about Odin. It's basically like a little Odin's tale. Uh, like after they issue. after they um, deal with Malekith and get the casket of winners and knock Malekith out and then drag him back to uh, Asgard, we get a little bit of a Odin story of Odin Odin and his bros who are not any of the brothers from Fear itself, right? Yeah, what was the thing with... You're talking about the, the serpent? Yeah, what was that serpent guy in Fear itself? Wasn't he supposed to be an Odin brother? Or a, an, a Broden? Or, yeah, a Broden. He was supposed to be a Broden, yeah. Okay. Um, 
I don't remember exactly how they retconned that in, but this is this is interesting because the way they describe how this so this this flashback story is Odin and his brothers uh, v, uh, Vili and V um, have just created Midgard basically or created the Earth out of the Earth Dragon. Um, and they, they use his bones and they create uh, the clouds out of his, the brains, like his, his skull is the dome of the sky. And then the brains are the clouds. And that very same thing was, I was just watching the, uh, the history channel show Vikings. Um, the, uh, it's, it's, it's not a doc, it's not a documentary. It's, it's an actual uh, drama series. And they talk about, uh, Odin having done that. And so that was kind of cool seeing it reiterated here um, just a couple of days later. And, um, yeah, so they, they made Midgard, and then they're, they're having a race on their horses, and they go a little too far, and they end up in the Fire Realm uh, with Surtur. And there's that cool thing where they're all aware of the mythology that they're in and this circuitous story that's being told in their lives and their characters in it. Yeah. And saying basically, this guy is fated to destroy all of us in Ragnarok, and he's going to be the last one. And we should maybe uh, stop that or, or delay it a bit by destroying a sword. And then they get into a fight, and then it turns into this Dragon Ball Z thing where they fuse together yeah. into yeah. one big super uh, uh, son of Bor thing. Now I'll show and you my true form. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is like Voltron. It, 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 like it should have had like you know different faces for each arm and leg and whatever. But yeah, um, but then they, they so they turn into this this giant Odin thing, and um, there's a, there's a stalemate basically, and they get to run away. They've destroyed the sword, and Vili and V uh, stay behind so that Odin can get away. And they sacrifice themselves so that Surtur doesn't get through and break into Midgard and bring about Ragnarok when the world's just started. So that seals off uh, Muselheim, and they give their power over to Odin, and that's how the Odin Force happened. And that's one of my favorite terms in comics: the Odin Force. Yeah, <laughs> just such a cool, like the Odin sleep. Yes. Why did they not? Of himself, everything is named after him. Why yep. was there not a '90s spinoff of Thor called Odin Force? I mean. It was right there. That is weird. It's just, right there. It's right there. Just make it happen. I mean, there was fantastic. It's so cool. It's one of the, it's one of Simonson's best designs. Is oh, Odin, yeah. um, and and just all of the armor and the, you know the, the the eye patch and everything. He's he's fantastic. I love Odin. He's so full. I love. I love the idea of just putting Odin in front of everything. Like I must <laughs> take an Odin shower. <laughs> make me an Odin cookie. Odin breakfast. <laughs> and then dirtier ones too, I'm sure. But and so, yeah, and so this is this is all leading up to 350, where he's basically so I've, so I've gathered all of you here, um, all of you champions of Asgard, because uh, Surtur's coming. Uh, my bad. Um, I'm gonna call Beta Ray Bill because he's pretty awesome. He was great, and then people seem to like him from the first arc. So yep. I'm gonna bring him in. And he's going to fight alongside you guys, and there's maybe going to be some some sexy tension between you know Beta Ray Bill and Sif, and that'd be kind of cool. Um, and we're going to fight this fire guy, and uh, let's Ragnarok and roll. And so the <laughs> end of our of our assigned reading is is leading right up to Mighty Thor three fifty, and like the ultimate like, and and that's not even the end of his run. No, I mean he goes like it's like the, it's not issues. even the middle. It's like yeah, you know, so like he goes right into Ragnarok. It's crazy. I mean, also, so the Malika stuff is over. 
right? Malekith I mean, comes like, back. Yeah, but, but it, it kind of goes. The, this is, I, I chose this set of issues because it's the um, it's the beginning of Malekith, and as you can see, there's so many threads. Oh, yeah. already that if we jumped into a later Malekith story. Um, it would be pretty confusing, but other Malekith stories, like, like over the years, um, he's basically in prison most of the time. And then he like, because he's a shapeshifter, he sort of, um, like fakes his way out for a little bit only to be thrown back in jail. Um, and now Jason Aaron's playing around with him in the, uh, Malekith, the accursed storyline over in Thor, God of Thunder. Yeah. Which is Cause there's good. a movie out. Cause there's a <laughs> so. movie out that Christopher Eccleston's in. Uh, yeah. Well, it's like Thor doesn't get a day off. I mean, like, the Beta Ray Bill story leads right into the Malchus story, which is leading right into the Surtur story. Like, it's, it's very Claremonty in a way. Like, it's that 80s storytelling. It's, I mean, what I was telling Matt oh, yeah. earlier is, like, you're 29 and you're in love with this 1984 Thor story, and I'm 29 and I'm in love with the 1984 X-Men, uh, which is very similar, the From the Ashes period, where it's, yeah. you know, the X-Men going from just one shitty situation to another, and it just doesn't stop. Uh, and what just... And what, one thing while, while we're on that is uh, I, I love the fact that Jason Aaron came up with this idea. I, for, I, I can't think of what the issue number is, but after all the God Butcher stuff happened, um, having this one issue as a breather. Oh, yeah. And he basically sort of laid down the gauntlet and said, you know, this could be like the X-Men um, softball game kind of thing. Yeah. Where after a big event, after every time Thor, you know, really like saves reality – he should decompress and go to Midgard and spend some time with people. And it's just one, it's that wonderful issue where um, he goes and visits like, uh, an, you know, this guy who's incarcerated, who's, I guess, yeah. on death row. And uh, he visits Jane and we find out that, that Jane's got cancer yeah. and she wants to deal with it her own way. And, um, and it's, you know, not full of crazy cosmic, Norse stuff. It's very laid back Midgard stuff, and and I, I hope that that becomes a tradition moving forward. Um, yeah, which is wonderful, and it shows his humanity. It, it reminds us that um, although in his youth Thor came down to Earth to uh, to mess around with the Viking ladies uh, and get some action and go go on a killing spree um, with people who like revered him as a god, uh, and it's a very it's a very kind of like. Thor as a, you know, as a frat bro kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, you know, he has seasoned into Thor the Avenger who really appreciates um, Midgard and what mortal people can do. Um, what they can do even even though they're mortal and they, they're, they're uh, limited compared to the people that he came up with. Yeah. So... Um, I, I do hope that becomes a, a tradition, and but here in the Simonson days, yeah, it's very not you know, Even from the beginning, it's leading up to my master, my master, and yeah. it's, it's all about the Surger story. Yeah, oh, I am noticing on the very last page of three forty nine, just to wrap things up. But I do want to point out that uh, Simonson signed the last page of three forty nine, the Beta Royal splash page, and it's dated May fifteenth, nineteen eighty four, and that issue came out in November. Well, I guess it actually came out August. No, September, I guess, 84. Because sure. they're always dated two months back. Yeah. So he was drawing an issue in May that was released in September. Yeah. So that's a lot of lead time. Yeah. Well, you figure he probably needed it if he's doing both. <laughs> sure, he needed it, yeah. 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 And also, like, mail. 
nailing yep. things. Because, uh, like, nowadays, like, the turnaround's, like, six weeks, maybe? Because I feel like we talk to artists, and they're, like, saying, ah, I'm drawing this, and then six weeks later, that issue comes out or something crazy. It's, like, pretty, pretty yeah. quickly. Um, but anyway, uh, thanks for coming on and talking about Thor. Thanks, guys. This is fun. Yeah. yeah so, what? Uh, final takeaways. <laughs> final takeaways from this uh, storyline. Like, what is this? Is this even the highlight of Simonson's run? Oh no, it's not. <laughs> wow. And what would you recommend from there? What would I recommend in terms of Simonson's run, or in terms of Thor? Uh, Simonson's run. Um, I think. If, I think if you want to check out Simonson's run. Start at the very beginning. Start with the Beta Ray Bill stuff. Um, I would, I would act, actually, honestly, I would say, uh, if you can find a deal on it, go ahead and get that omnibus because it's all great. Um, Is it every it's, issue? It's, 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 a, it's a really wonderful collection. And, Is it all fifty issues? Um, if you're, yeah, if Jeez. I mean, it's it's just it's ginormous. But if if you're, if you want to see sort of a, a definitive run on a character. Um, it's 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 this, and then it's you know it's the Jason Aaron stuff. I think is is sort of the new answer to that. Um, but Jason Aaron's, Aaron has a long way to go to come up with a run this long and this consistent. Yeah. Um, you've got great moments in it, like Thor as Sigmund Jarlson bumping into uh, into <laughs> Clark Kent. Um, it's wacky. It's it's uh, it's over the top. I, uh, I for me, it's been a while, but I I love the Ragnarok and roll stuff just because everybody's together. Yeah, I mean it's it, I mean the Avengers pop up. I mean you'll see the Vision in there. You'll see Reed Richards in there, um, but also Beta Ray Bill and and I think anything with with Beta Ray Bill and Sif is is great. Um, sort of the I wouldn't say they're the unsung heroes of the, of this like this run because a lot of people do talk about beta ray bill, but, um, they, he becomes the star in in a lot of ways over Thor himself. Hmm. Um, so I would, so I would recommend this. And, and of course I would also recommend, um, Thor, the mighty Avenger by Roger Langridge and Chris Omni. Um, you can finally, you can get it now earlier this year. They released the full, you know, the full story or like what they were able to publish of it uh, in one volume instead of two little digests. It is gorgeous. And, uh, it's great. It is. It's, it's wonderful. And, um, it's, uh, it's a palate cleanser. If you're tired of the super ultra serious self-important yeah. comics that are coming out these days, um, Captain Britain not for Marvel. Marvel's having fun, but, oh. um, but no, this, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, range to, to, to look at that and to look at what um, what Aaron and Ribic have been doing with their book um, because that's 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 super serious well that, that, that that's got its it has its levity but that is you know ultra metal like dark dark Thor comics um, but it's it's cool to see that range that you can take that character and you can do those really serious Frazetta style stories or you can do relationship comics. Um, which have a good bit of action as well. So uh, those are some of my favorite comics um, from the past five or ten years, um, and they just happen to be with my one of my favorite characters. So Thor is a diverse character. Yeah, yep. you do a lot with that guy. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything you want to plug? Where can people find your stuff? 
Well, uh, I'll be talking about Thor The Dark World uh, with my buddy Connor Kilpatrick on an iFanboy special edition podcast. And of course, uh, you can hear us, even though we're not producing written content over at iFanboy.com anymore, and it, it breaks my heart every day. Um, we're still very much uh, doing, the, doing the audio podcast each and every week and, and talking about our favorite books. And we get to talk about a little bit more um, now yeah. since we have extra slots in the show so we're we're experimenting and and you know talking about movie trailers and um some trades that we've read and um we just talked about a great book of the month in the fifth beetle i i uh, definitely yeah, checking that out Epstein. i am super checking that out i love Epstein. oh my god I love guys it's so it's that, that that comes out uh on the the 19th of november um Get would, that book. Yeah, I looked it up on Amazon. I have to get that. If you like comics, if you're listening to this show, um, even <laughs> yeah. if even if you're not like a huge Beatles fan, if you hate the Beatles, don't get it. But but um, this is one of the best OGNs I've read um, since Asterios Polyp, and that's uh, that was a big deal book for me. Oh, so yeah. uh, Andrew C. Robinson and Kyle Baker on art. I think the author's name is Vivek Tiwari. Uh, this is his first comic. Wow. Uh, jump on that. Uh, and so you guys should I'm be on. listening to iFanboy anyways every week. I listen to you guys every Monday morning while I'm getting ready for work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a great we have show. Fun. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> we, we definitely didn't want to let go of the podcast, even though like the, the website was becoming kind of difficult to maintain. We said we, we love doing that every week and it's not, it's never a burden. It's always a relief to, to get together and, and talk about the book. So, yeah, I like, I, I like that you guys, I mean, you guys clearly all like each other and you have a good rapport. And they're all right. They're, <laughs> you immediately <laughs> undercuts it. Uh, but no, but you, guys, guys. you guys do have fun reviewing the books and I, I, you know, it's, it's fun to listen to you guys sort of jab at each other too. And I like that you're, that you've now like expanded into like the, the weekly digital reviews as well. Oh Yeah. Yeah, that was a thing that it was tough. We were like, we, when that started being a thing, and it, it started being like a thing that you should pay attention to, mm-hmm. and not just like gimmicky stuff. Yeah, um, it became like, man, we I really want to talk about these, but you know, it's not you know it, we don't have it on the pull list feature, and now there is no pull list feature, so we can sort of talk about what we want to talk about, and um, it just sort of came about, you know, it's sort of at the right time when digital is is I mean. Uh, I mean, over on DC, a lot of their best stuff is oh, like yeah. digital stuff. Oh, yeah. So um, definitely want to make that part of the conversation. You and, also and have your... More, you know, stuff coming out of <clears throat> Monkey Brain and um, stuff that you can only get digitally, at least at first, in, in issue form. So. It's good stuff. Yeah. You also have your own podcast, Fuzzy Typewriter. I do. Uh, Fuzzy Typewriter, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus after doing weekly discussions of Breaking Bad. You're just gearing uh, up for our weekly Cheers episodes, is what was, right? Eh? Yeah. I would love to. Just so putting you on the spot. I think we, we should definitely talk about the pilot. Oh, yeah. No, I, because I'm crazy. I have, I have, that pilot is very interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, I've already thought up. I've already thought up a million different formats for this. I devote way too much time to thinking about <laughs> think, to thinking about this Cheers podcast that I'm going to force. No, that's on. good. That, that gonna... is, so that is coming soon. We'll be talking about Cheers, <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to be talking about the things they carried. We're going to do a book club thing because Brian Cranston yeah. just did the audiobook. Oh, um, no way! It's a great story too. Twelve Angry Men. We're going to be talking about that soon. Mm. So that's 
all coming up on the Fuzzy Typewriter. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, great. Well, we we're glad to have you. Um, if you're interested in purchasing Thor number 344 through 349, visit mattandbrettlovecomics.com where you can purchase the trades collecting these issues through the Amazon links in this episode's show notes. And remember that purchasing things through our show notes gives us a little bit of money. And as we just discovered through our meeting with our producer on Sunday, it costs money to run this podcast. It does. So... <laughs> Help yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie! <laughs> Two years in, we're just realizing this. <laughs> uh, while you're at mattandbrettlovecomics.com, why not check out our back issues? For example, Nicole Dressel and Becky Ferreira talking about severed issues one through seven. It's a really intense emotional episode. Nicole you guys. didn't finish the comics, and she might have cried during the podcast. It was. Really intense, you guys. It was great. Uh, or if you're looking for something less intense, more light and fun, check out our back issue when we spoke with DC Pearson about Saga issues one through six. That was a really great time. DC's a, a great guy, and we're probably going to have him back on to talk about oh, seven yeah. through twelve. We do we need to? Um, we love also hearing from our listeners, so tell us what you think about this or any past episode on our website or Facebook page at facebook.com/slash They Love Comics or Matt and Brett Love You can find the links to all of our social media presence under the Who Loves Comics tab on the website. If you're ever wondering who loves comics, then go there. It's probably us. It's uh, probably us. If you fancy what you've heard here today, please rate and review the show on iTunes. We like it when you do that. You, you gave up on the accent, well, like, halfway through the sentence. It's, it's jaunty, I don't know. It's jaunty. Of course it is. <laughs> Guys, the reason we say that is because you are our best, best spokespeople. Uh, so... If you like what you hear here, you know, tell your friends. Secretly upload it to their iPod. Um, put your headphones over their ears while they're sleeping, like and then Marty McFly. Fin- put your finger over their mouth and say, shh. Just shh. shh. It's wrong. Matt and Brett love comics. <laughs> As always, thanks to our producer, Bender Gabe, who puts up with this madness. You are the Roger to our Thor. Yeah, but not the Roger to our Eric, because we're not that old. Oh, jeez. Thanks again, Paul, for coming on. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, uh, until next time, uh, this is Brett. And this is Matt. And we, we, love, we, love, we love comics. We do. Burp. It's always so epic. <laughs> I should actually get some gusto. What's wrong with me?